0: Welcome everyone to the Liquidary Podcast, the place where we get to discuss everything crypto, markets, finance, and more. And don't forget to check out our website, liquidary.com, the one-stop shop for all the information you need about all your favorite crypto and traditional assets. Before we start, please note that all views expressed here are our own and do not represent the opinions of AutoWeil GMBH and that this podcast is meant for information and entertainment only and is not financial advice welcome everyone who's tuning in for the first episode of our podcast Um, i'm your host sophie and this is my co-host thomas welcome and today we have our first guest a very special person named uh, rafael and he is the ceo of a vpn company called safing Um, but more on that later and um, our general topic for today will be online privacy vpns naturally and also cybersecurity. so um a very warm welcome also to Raphael, and um, thanks for joining us. We're very happy to have you here today.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you for being here as well. Um, and I would like to start with a bit about your background and what you've done in your past and what brought you to your current company. Um, I think you're the CEO of, of, of your company, which is Safing. Um, so maybe give a little bit about uh, that to start with.
2: Sure, sure.
1: Well, <clears throat> uh,
2: where shall I start? I guess the the funny bit, um, anyone on my LinkedIn would see it anyway, is I started, I'm actually a chemist, and I started off as a chemist. Um, and I worked in that field for quite some time. I have a degree in chemistry and engineering. And so this is basically where i where i come from Uh, chemistry or especially pharmaceutical companies start off as a very um, restricted and organized um, way where everything you do needs to be protocoled and everything that isn't written down never happened so from that perspective uh, (laughs) it's a good good place to start when you want to learn how um, being controlled on each and every step and being mistrusted anywhere you go uh, feels like. Uh, and I guess I, the next step that would be interesting would be I have been approached by Daniel, one of my co founders, uh, while I was still working as a chemist, if I, I would want to join him in creating and starting this company called Safing. He already was um, in the middle of it. And started with with another friend of ours with David and the two of them already were doing this part-time for a year at that point and so they the two of them invited me in and that was the end of 2017 and since then I, I so I quit my job <laughs> and since then I'm working
1: from Safing. thing and yeah so you said you, you were uh, into chemistry and then you you basically in 2017 started the company. Uh, what kind of brought you into into the um, computer science and privacy field? Because I think from chemistry to, to computer science, at least from my experience, it's quite a big step from there.
2: <laughs> yes. So, I uh, <clears throat> okay, while I was working at that um, pharmaceutical company, I was already – starting to go more and more into into computer stuff as well from a personal perspective I was already interested in it and I became the deputy administrator of of that company um, during the last two years when I was there and so I was already involved in the computer part of the of the company and I learned to uh, yeah do administrative work in that regard um, like server stuff and like virtual machine stuff and network stuff we did a whole um network do over during those years when i was there and uh, updated a couple of the technical back end of the whole company so i was already partly on the way into that direction the the thing why i was um able to do this besides um the personal interest that helped of course as well was that they needed uh, basically an, an administrator who knew what the requirements for the um, pharmaceutical and chemical staff were so someone who actually understands what the needs are and uh, can yeah sort of like guide the head of i.t and the head and like all all of those people um, more and more into the- the direction that actually was required um, for the staff to, to properly um, do their work.
0: And at that point, or even before that, did you ever have like a personal interest in privacy and like cybersecurity, like that whole type of thing, or, or maybe even some bad experiences in that area, or like why is that so interesting to you or so important to you?
2: I guess it's basically got more and more real when I was in that role. I don't know if, if you guys know this, but uh, especially with emails, the administrator can see and read every email, and you don't know it. So, all company emails were open to me at that point, and I was able to see into every account. And so, I realized, well, if I can do this, then my private emails aren't safe either. Whoever has them knows or could know everything about me. And this next step would be: if they have if they have that much access to my emails, do my accounts even belong to me? And so this whole thing started off um, a thought, like a way of thinking about my data and does my data actually belong to me or who does it belong? Do my accounts belong to me or who has access to them without me even knowing? And yeah, I guess this was the final nail in the coffin for me to say, okay, I need to get my digital life under control and I need to be basically in charge of my whole digital life and take more responsibility of everything that I, yeah, would usually just do, while surfing the internet like creating accounts setting up email addresses and stuff like that and being more cautious about which information do i leave where how is this traceable back to me and what else could they do if they figure out who i am or where my information lie like is stored
0: i see so basically this started when you went from the surveilled one to the surveiller, <laughs> kind of. And you, that, that's interesting. And um, I mean, one thing you always hear when you talk to people about privacy is like, okay, so what if my boss reads my emails? I don't care. Like, I don't have anything to hide, right? Like, that's one argument you hear all the time. So, what would you tell people who say you should still care about your privacy? Um, because you know, even if you have nothing to hide, it's still important. Why, why is that? Like, what's, what's your take on this?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I feel like what people sort of forget is how long the data is stored. Privacy is not just about securing myself today and now, but sort of saving my ass for the future. Um, one of the things to maybe bring the, the, the bridge to, to crypto Uh, People who are on the blockchain understand that everything I do on the blockchain is stored and is visible forever. So if I give money today um, to some organization and this organization does bad stuff with that money, some of that responsibility falls back to the people who gave them that money in the first place. But I had no actual control over this. So in the future, I might like to not be associated with them anymore, and this is very hard to do. Um, So privacy, from my perspective, is more of an, okay, let's have as little uh, of like personal information out there, or data points that point people to my behavior um, as can possibly be, because I don't know what sort of data will bite me in the future, and Absolutely. the reason why I brought up blockchain is because I feel like that's the reason why so many people like to stay private and like disassociate their their finances on the blockchain from from their person, real life persons, and um, and so on. So. I don't know if you agree with this, but that's the part of, of the, the crypto community that I, I see and that I talk to there are all those people who are like, don't connect to your like, wallet without a VPN. Don't um, like <laughs> try to, to disassociate yourself from, from your actual um, bank history. Yeah.
0: That would actually be a really nice slogan for saving. You can use that. We will save your future ass.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure we are currently I don't know if you've seen from from our uh, homepage, we actually are more aiming for for that part of what I said earlier of me being in control of my data, having that um, responsibility and being like, OK, I know what my data is doing, where it is stored, where it who gets access to it and allowing people to to get that data. And not having it taken from me with maybe not even uh, proper consent. So that's that's where we're currently heading. But you're right. Maybe we should um, maybe we should do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> and get maybe a second website on out for
1: for this sort of thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned uh, cryptocurrencies and. Uh, that people who are in crypto are aware that um, all transactions they did are stored on the blockchain. So my question for you, as somebody who is very into privacy, would be: um I don't know if you're familiar with that, but on Bitcoin you basically have a pseudonymous uh, system where you have an address, and yeah. everybody can basically see what this address does, so all the transactions and stuff like that. And There are actually companies like Genalysis who analyze transactions on the blockchains uh, connected with exchanges and when there is a transaction to the exchange, the exchange knows because they did KYC, they know that the person who has this address um, is this person in real life. Um, So whenever you have this kind of central point in, in a Bitcoin transaction. Uh, you're very likely to be traced back and all of your basically payment history is is visible to at least the people who, who um, know that your exchange uh, uh, exchange account belongs to you. So there are other coins, for example, Monero and Ccash, where you have some privacy features. So mm, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that Bitcoin is actually um, something that we should be worried about in terms of privacy or um, uh, would that be just like a speculative or investment instrument and the actual currencies would be like Monero or, or these privacy-oriented coins?
2: I mean, in regards to cash, um, as far as I'm aware, or especially Monero, I guess, got, got like the, the uh, masking aspect of it got broken a couple of times by now, as far as I can tell. Um, my CTO knows this better than I. Because uh, he, he has a lot of opinions about those things, like especially Monera um, and Ccash. Um, maybe to, to go back to the point that you said earlier in regards to this one person, that the issue then is you don't know when they know who you are. Um, that's not information that gets revealed to you uh, usually and if anyone else in the future it's not just it doesn't stop with one person anyone else who can make this connection can can go back and see everything you did as well so it's nothing that would be a one person knows and nobody else situation like i mean sometimes in the in the privacy community to go on a little bit of a detour there it's um there's a saying there's security before privacy if you have bad security then the privacy doesn't matter at all if you use an email provider that is maybe private but that security is lacking or very lacking then you don't know who actually like who else has access to those emails so that's the reason why i usually disencourage people to go to gmail but with gmail you have the situation that you at least know who has your data it's Google and um, they will use that data against you but um, you don't have to fear that much that like (laughs) too many other companies like Apple wouldn't have that email information if you don't synchronize to uh, too many Apple devices at least um, and and that sort of stuff so uh, security is in that regard more important um, but to go back to to those um, what I think about cryptocurrencies in that regard, well, I feel like it's hard to say um, hard to tell at the at the current point where where I think everything is heading. I know that there are uh, at least some Bitcoin purists who think that all other cryptocurrencies are um, are doomed and at some point because they don't have like a cap and they don't they iterate too fast and it's maybe the the volume is too too low and with bitcoin that's already pretty stable and there are already so many nodes that changing something in the bitcoin um ecosystem is very hard so for one actor to come in and and change something up to like Create some vulnerabilities would be hard, except for the vulnerabilities that are already like pre-baked in, like the like from a pr- privacy perspective that anyone can see your your ledger, what el- whatever like you wherever you send your money to. Um, so to go so your question, I think was, what do you think is Ccash an answer? Is this correct, can I
1: yeah, so the question would be is, would be monero or C would they be superior currencies or or forms of value transfer than than Bitcoin for example, in your opinion <laughs> <laughs> like uh think of it like when. Uh, as I said, when you have, uh, when you can connect your Bitcoin address to a real name, which you can when you have to kind of cash out into fiat currencies where you have to go to a centralized exchange and um, basically show up your face and your real name, um, your address. So, and with Monero, basically it's uh, it's not the same, but you, you still have to, when you want to cash out, um, I mean, obviously there are, there are ways uh, you can do it without uh, like going to an exchange. But uh, usually what the normal person does is it go, he, he or she goes to an exchange mm-hmm. and basically just does uh, KYC there, uh, uploads their passport or so, and then transfers the money back to their bank accounts. Um, yeah. And what people say is that when you use Monero or Zcash with the privacy features enabled, uh, you have basically um, you you're traceable so far that you know that this that you're currently owning Monero but they can't basically look back and, and see your history uh, your transaction history and your other wallet balances and stuff like that
2: mm-hmm. except when they do because yeah. Yeah. when the when this um, this masking is is like decoded then they could well I guess this is um, Maybe already my point. I feel like if a system that has already been broken, um, and therefore is is a little bit maybe misleading when you think that you're now spending your stuff private and that you can then um, maybe think you can sleep more easily. I guess might brings a lot more danger to it. I think having Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency that doesn't have or doesn't claim privacy features um, Where you have to do the work to to be more private makes you much more aware of The risks and yes, it is of course more work, but that's that's the thing with privacy There are always trade-offs and it's always work to increase your privacy but at least then you know each and every part and each and every step and you, you maybe have multiple points of failure um, uh, that, you, that you have to look at, but um, you can create different s- systems to prevent or um, mitigate some of the dangers that come from them. And with Ccash and Monero, I guess you might have fewer um, potential risks uh, but some of them might just be harder to detect and harder to do something about. Um and so therefore I would say I myself um <laughs> I never had Monero C Cache, but I already um am or I already am in the Bitcoin and Ethereum world, uh, at least a bit. And so for me I I saw them and I'm like okay, I guess our um community likes them more but if somebody would ask me i would point them to the maybe a bit harder but for me i guess more reliable and um like more stable way of going with bitcoin and going with with um, ethereum and and having the, the privacy protection burden on myself and knowing what I'm doing to protect my privacy and not trusting some cryptographic model uh, with um, that has already been proven to be faulty um, um, on somebody else, you
1: know. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um... So maybe uh, let's uh, let's leave that uh, with blockchain right there and maybe go a bit into what you're doing at Safing. Um, and I think to start this off, it would be awesome to kind of get listeners some kind of privacy checklist, what they can do themselves to uh, enhance their privacy. And I'm pretty sure your product will be part of the checklist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um,
2: it definitely can be one of the first steps. We want it to be one of the, First three steps. So um, a website that I'm going to plug—it's not from us, but we sponsor them—is called PrivacyTools.io. So they have they have sort of a checklist and help you guide through through different um, parts of it, what to do. But I guess the first step for anyone is change the browser don't use Chrome or Chromium based browsers try to get Google um, out of your system Um, that's very hard and there are many hurdles to this because Google makes good tools for so many things email I guess is one of the first ones but then search of course and Maps I, I have to admit I'm still using Google Maps Uh, on my iPhone (laughs) so um, it's hard but I guess uh, changing the browser changing your email those are one of the first two things you should do and the third one would be um, to understand also with email as well but um, that nothing is free Um, if you don't pay for your email provider your email provider is looking at your email and is selling the information that he gets because he needs to make money at one point so pay for email provider and then um, the last one i guess if i if it is only three points would be get the Portmaster. Uh, that's our application firewall it's basically a system byte ad blocker as well that helps uh, and helps to block advertisement and, and tracking as well so it's it will block the ads and tracking in your browser but more than that, all the programs that you use, so many have Google Analytics baked in and have other tracking systems in there. And our application firewall blocks this on an app per app basis. So if some of the programs that you use where you're like, okay, this this tracker, I don't know, I like this tracker anyway, or I want to see the advertisement in that program. Um, then you can enable it. But you can go the other direction as well. When you're like using Spotify, for instance, and you don't like the Facebook integration that it has, you can turn that off on a system level and can rest assured that your Spotify isn't connecting to Facebook and leaking any data through that way. And the upgrade to the Portmaster would be our um, twist on, on VPNs. So, VPNs have, from where they are currently, one major flaw, and that is that they, yes, they protect you from your ISP, uh, your Internet Service Provider, but (laughs) what what they don't tell you is, they become basically your new ISP, and they see everything you do, because you're only connecting from your computer to them, and then, um directly to the websites you're surfing on, you're just shifting the problem and it's not solving too much. And what we do is we have onion encryption uh, with our um, with our nodes. So each connection does at least three hops, and we split those connect- connections as well. So there is no one node that connects all of your um, connections, out into the internet. So if you if you are on three different websites, you get three different paths. So nobody on the outside sees that you're using, that you're coming from that one server, they see three for all three websites, a different one. And um, this is also done to protect your data after leaving our, our network, but also to protect your data from us as a company so that we can't know and can't see who is connecting to where and um, the, for, for the crypto community something that we want to, to do in the future would be to even have like in the option to have an exit node maybe at home for you if, if you have a full node at home and then you can always, if you want to connect to that node, have it exit right there. And so none of your connections um, will be in the open outside. It will be end-to-end encrypted to your service that you want to use. And um, I guess this is something that a traditional VPN, of course, can't do because they don't like allow you to install software on your... Home server or on your node server or something like that and when you would do this all your traffic would have to go through them and with us we split the traffic as I said so only the node connections go through there but the beauty is nobody would see that this is an connection going back to your node because it does those multiple hops so it would look like going from your computer like regular traffic into the internet and then it would turn back and go to your home but at this point it's already mixed with so many other connections that nobody can see um, if this is an outgoing connection from your computer or outgoing connection or incoming connection to your server and so on that point it's like um, uh, secure even from, from people who observe just the traffic itself and not try to sort of follow one connection but just look what connections are flowing where
0: ah, well that sounds absolutely brilliant and i, I think that's one very impo- <laughs> very important point because i think that most people um even if they understand the, the general importance of using a vpn they just think well a vpn is just a vpn right it just gives me privacy and then they see oh maybe this one is a little bit cheaper or you know there's a special offer and they don't really know what the difference is between different VPNs and why um, it's important to maybe control traffic straight from your device, like you said, with the Portmaster, master um, and not just uh, protect yourself from your ISP because as you said before, um, if you want good products, you also uh, have to pay for them and either you, you pay via your, da- your data that's being abused, right? Um, or you you pay a company, but then you you again have to trust that company, right? So I think that's that's yeah. very um, important. What you're doing, really great.
2: Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We try to to become as trustless as um, as possible, so that people don't just have like. We are also very open on our homepage um, about what our influences are. Who is like. Um, we work with and everything and who we are personally so our privacy suffered a bit one of my co-founders was a little bit hesitant about that but we feel like it's important for us that people can get to know us and understand who we are so that they can understand what product actually that we the privacy is baked in there and that we have privacy first and on every step when we do what we do and and i agree completely that people sometimes think oh well vpn and maybe uh, maybe the cheaper one even has some additional features like i don't know um onion onion encryption in some cases but the the issue is that what they try to sell you is that they are developing something that is already decades old by now. VPNs weren't created for privacy, they were created to for businesses to extend their network. That's the reason why it's called a virtual private network because it's extending the, the company network out of their facility and it's not designed for privacy. That was never the, the, um, the goal with it. So you actually open up to some very nasty things when you connect to a VPN. Potentially somebody could more easily hack you from the other side because you open up something like an Ethernet connection. It's, it, it was designed to, to be like that. And um, so VPNs have already worked on this and separating all the users from each other so that not one user connecting to the same server can hack back another one uh, or at least make it hard um but this all of this is um is sort of like trying to to build onto a foundation that was something else <laughs> it's like like trying to and i guess you have all seen like if you try to make out of a sedan and suv and sometimes this looks Interesting, but it's never the same thing. It was built for a different purpose and with a different goal in mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess it also depends. I mean, first of all, um, like you also said earlier, it's not about being safe or unsafe, it's about being safer, right? You can never be have like a hundred percent privacy and a hundred percent security, like there's always gonna be some weakness or something that could be exploited, but I think it's a lot about um, autonomy and, you know, choosing who to trust and who not to trust and where your data might go or not go, you know, and just give back control to the people um, whose data is currently being abused, right? Um, I, yeah, so that's um, that's one thing. And um, I also want to ask you something. Um, what do you think or what in your experience is the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to like their personal safety and security online?
2: Good question. (laughs) Um, really good question. I, I feel like what people, as I said, what people so often miss out on, I would say is, are those next steps they they feel like they feel like just making their life hard and miserable is making them more private <laughs> and I have gone down that route <laughs> yeah
0: I know me too
2: <laughs> <laughs> when I have like a browser that's locked out of everything all the time that's not making you more private changing the browser that can make, do something for you. Yeah. But only logging out and having to retype everything, first of all, usually those people then don't trust um, like uh, a tool that's storing the, the passwords for them, a password manager, so they have short passwords that's unsecure. Uh, and then they log out and log in every time, and so they type in their password all the time, and people can watch them if they want to. Um, So I feel like, I guess the biggest mistake is people who just feel the pain of trying to be more private, uh, not reflecting on have they even done any meaningful steps to increase their privacy in in an actual like meaningful way.
0: Um, Okay, so don't do more, just do it smarter.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly, don't work hard, (laughs) work smart. This
1: definitely right. applies for privacy as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha.
1: Awesome. Um, what do you say to people who <clears throat> say basically when you use something like Tor or Onion Routing, which you're using, that they are basically getting red flagged because of doing that?
2: Well, Tor is a different... Onion Routing isn't something you get red flagged for. Onion Routing is, is just a way of packaging the the data we use um, we, pat, we onion route um, our traffic so it's it's at least triple layer of uh, of encryption when it leaves your device but the protocol that we use to for each connection from one server to the other still is HTTPS and um, and, and um, what's it called again basic internet protocols. There's no, no other um, internet protocol. It doesn't like, yes, traffic looks a little bit different. And we are doing some work on that end as well. Um, For instance, all our packages are the same size and we try to uniform it in that way so that uh, somebody who, as I said, looks at the traffic itself can distinguish uh, oh, that's a photo coming in, or that's a video coming in, or that's an audio file coming in, because everything is more um, uh, more of the same size, and every package looks the same from the outside. But um, that that what's what's red flagging you, so to speak, is um, there are of course all tour um, nodes are known, especially the exit nodes, uh, and so people see. Um, and the entrance nodes of course as well people see when you connect to an entrance node that's what they see and um there are ways to go around that you can of course use a proxy or do do different things if you want to use Tor. it's a proxy that's not known by anyone else um, so they don't see that you connect to to the tor network but um what i would say is that there's a couple of things to Tor that are mixed within Tor. Um, I feel like this, the reason why Tor has this stigma to it is because it's also related to the dark web. And there are a lot of people who do bad things um, through like while utilizing Tor as a sort of protective layer. And um, how we tackle this is um, that we only allow open servers. So you can connect to every server through our network that you could go to directly from your browser, but we don't allow .onion sites and other stuff that's um, creating this dark web situation. So for us, we see it, and that's the reason why we think why we are in the the clear with that, any if no one on this (laughs) on this earth is allowing your content maybe it shouldn't be on the internet Um, and so that's how we go around this and uh, i guess for Tor, the issue with them is um that they are sort of already in this position and that they don't have any uh, chance at that point of of going back from that um, it, it is of course, it was, I guess, their way of solving the issues that that they were that came up over time, like with that onion, um to go down that route a bit, it was the the issue that we solve differently. The issue of with an onion encryption, you that just means you have three hops um, somewhere. In the world and then you leave from there so if you use the Tor browser you could just get the last exit node in south africa and then when you connect to i don't know wikipedia and the next server i don't know or wikipedia maybe with with a different uh from a special from a from a country um let's say sweden and then you connect all the way back up to sweden And every ISP on that connection after you exit the exit node to the destination sees your connection. And if you log in to Wikipedia or whatever, then they, of course, all of them see who you, who the the person is who logged in. They don't know where you are. They only see the exit in South Africa and they think you're in South Africa, but they know what you, they, they see what you do nonetheless it's uh, at that point an unencrypted connection it's just encrypted and far away from where you are but the connection itself after leaving the node is unencrypted and so what it, that onion address does and that's the reason why it helps enabling um, shady stuff on the internet is closing this loop and uh, sort of giving you the option to have, go from your onion connection, that's throwing you out somewhere else, into the next onion connection that's connecting you to the server, and so you create this end-to-end encryption. The reason why um, we don't have to do this is, as I said, we partly allow this maybe with you having having a node on, like, at your home, and being able to, to connect that way. But the other one is we have actually and are continuing to map the internet and map out where each exit um, might want to go to. Um, so we see where those Netflix servers are, we see where those Amazon S3 servers are, we see where where the, what websites are hosted on there. And what we do is we have our exit our exit nodes very close to those locations. And when you connect through our network, your device already knows where it wants to go and already pre-packages each and every one of those connections to leave the network at the closest exit node available. So you will never come out in South Africa from our network when you want to connect to a website in Sweden. You will always exit in Sweden. And if the server is in Stockholm, you will exit in Stockholm. If it's in Göteborg, you will exit in Göteborg. that's, that's how granular we designed this to not have to deal with those long connections that are unencrypted yeah. in the open.
1: And I think that's extremely important to, to highlight that because when you use or when, uh, I don't know, uh, everybody who used the Tor Browser already uh, knows how slow it is. And I think uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're using Saving, I guess, you are getting basically the same speed as you get with your normal internet connection, right?
2: Yes, yes, yes. That partly because of that routing and the portmaster already knowing where it's where it's going, and partly because our encryption um, isn't the same. It's we we utilize the the concept of onion routing, but our cryptography crypt, is a little bit different. Um, our uh, it's open source as well, so you can look at it on GitHub. It's called Chess, our, um, our um, encryption um, tool there. And we already got it audited by Cure53 as well, so that the encryption is sound, and it's not just us um, claiming that it is what is good, but somebody else actually looking and going through it. And um, so what we did there is taking this onion encryption and like boosting it in every way as we can because the onion encryption itself is what gives a lot of the privacy. And so what we did is um, in our network, we only have servers that are actually capable of doing it. There are no Raspberry Pis um, trotting along, trying to do as much as they can. (laughs) It's all... um, it's all a proper service who do the job. And, um, and the, the protocol itself is optimized as well to, to handle exactly those sorts of things. And so that's how we sort of get the speed back, even though we have those hops and we have those connections and we have this, of course, a bit of uh, delay introduced through, through going to, by multiple hops.
0: I think it's amazing that everything is open source, because I know that's important to many people. And um, I always also prefer when things are open source so that many people can take a look. So that's nice.
2: Yeah, and the, the port is free as well. So the portmaster, the basic thing is open source and free to use. It's This is the application firewall I already talked about. We sometimes call it a pie hole to go. So for people who are familiar with pie <laughs> hole, that's the thing that you, uh, plug into your router that's um, protecting all of your devices from tracking and advertisement um, with with the portmaster it's on your device and everywhere you go you, you have it with you uh, and of course it's it's more than that the pie hole doesn't know is this a Facebook connection from your browser and is it there for something you want to do or is it uh, a Facebook connection from from Spotify and maybe something you want to prohibit so with us, you have this uh, additional gain of, of being able to fine tune it in that way. Uh, and then the SPN, yes, is open source as well. And this is the paid upgrade. So that's how we how we make our money. That's our business model. It's the free basic tier that gives you everything without any, only, any restrictions. And then the upgrade is this VPN Tor Um, combination that we how we call it like the SPN and that's what's protecting your privacy um, while surfing afterwards so the first one is blocking that no information leaks and the second one is protecting that the information only gets to the people who yeah you want it to go to and none, no one in between
0: Well, that's absolutely amazing. I love that the um, portmaster is free, so it's you know accessible to everyone. Basically, I think this is um, this is a really nice thing. But of course, none of this will prevent you from sending some weird memes to the wrong people. So still watch out for that. But um, or some indecent photos. So. <laughs> but it's I, I think no. this is like the the best type of protection that you can have when you have like like you said um, something like a portmaster that's already Um, baseline protection on your device so I think that's that's a a huge advantage over other providers
2: yeah it doesn't help help you sending out those pictures willingly but it helps you securing them from from sticky hands who try to grab them from you (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah I don't know just a side note here as well how many people have one cloud enabled on their standard Windows folders without knowing and realizing that everything they have in their pictures folder is being loaded up automatically. And maybe then they have the Android Windows integration app where every photo, like all the photos from their phone get backed up to their computer automatically. So wow. photos from their phone got to the, get to their, on their Windows machine and then into the cloud. and then they, little bit confused. Why? Why is everything in the cloud? <laughs>
1: yeah, and I think if or you really want to take if you really want to take privacy seriously, basically you have to walk through all the settings of your accounts and basically, yeah, disable all location tracking, delete all your uh, past history, um, and and really do that. Um, I I did that myself like two weeks ago or so, and like this was a job for three days or so because you know up, over, mm-hmm. over the time you get so many accounts and different logins and different uh, different yeah stuff that you need to care uh, care about. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to erase like the, the data that you store you have stored on a Google account, and I'm sure mm-hmm. many people have multiple Google accounts, um, mm-hmm. it really is a pain to to remove everything there. So. Unfortunately, privacy is also some kind of manual work that you need to do, um, but I think it's worth it. And also to sum this discussion up a bit about your company and what you're doing, uh, maybe give about, give a bit a uh, feeling what it costs for the paid version um, and where people can go to and buy it basically. Uh, basically.
2: I, I love to. One, one more thing maybe as a suggestion uh to to those who want to go through their accounts as well and do this um my recommendation would be to get an email provider that allows those um abstractions of email addresses first where you have like mail plus whatever at your domain dot com or so so what you could go with is then what i do is mail plus if it is your facebook account facebook random number at yourname.com, and change the that also so and maybe change the password also so can maybe a password manager and and stuff like that so if you go if you go through all your accounts do the whole whole thing and get them security wise up to speed as well um so for me um i don't know if I mean it's not a security risk i guess i have a unique email address and a unique password for every service i use so with this plus and then um just the name of the website and then random number uh, or or letters or whatever you're creating unique email addresses so if the email addresses got leaked you're not um nobody can sort of start trying to to go through um, um, matching the similar address on other, other social media services or something like that. So just a side suggestion there.
0: <laughs> it's a very good um, suggestion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you if you already do the the work, I guess this is only I don't know thirty seconds extra per per account. <laughs> um,
1: You're right. Other than that. Hmm? you're you're right uh, but also when you do that you have to trust one single uh, email provider basically so when you do this- that is
2: true Yeah, that's true yeah. i own multiple domains and have a couple of different email providers you're right um, but all of them allow this plus and something um already so this this appears to be pretty common some some additional thing that i like uh there as well that's the reason why i put the the name in there if they share your email address and you get an advertisement email from somebody else you then know who was the bad actor and giving your email address away <laughs> yeah that's very true and i had this already i'm like yeah. somebody else sharing my email address and i'm like why are you doing this <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah that's spooky. That's but Maybe give a bit about your your pricing and where people can go to buy uh, the the saving
2: product. Sure, sure. So, um, saving.io is our homepage. Um, we have currently, uh, as I said, the portmaster is, or I don't know if I said it, portmaster is out already. It's in an alpha stage. Um, you can download it. It works beautifully on Linux and Windows. Uh, we today figured out that we also already can run it on Mac, but that's not official yet. So, <laughs> a little inside scoop there. Uh, and the S P N can be pre-ordered on our homepage as well. Um, it's a pre-order and a waitlist currently. It costs. Um, you can opt for the early adopter yearly or early adopter monthly plan. That's nine ninety per month or 99 euros per year. Uh, both of those plans will you will keep um, for as long as you don't cancel, even if we raise our prices in the future. So um, if you go into the pre-order and the early adopter um, segment, you can get into the wait lists, get your spot. Uh, we will start letting people in later this month and August. Um, I can't say how fast we will um, let more people in, we'll see, Um, but this is the process so far.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Um, So maybe do you have some kind of last ideas, words or advice? Last words. Yeah, last (laughs) words for the podcast, obviously. And also where can people go and follow you yourself or, or maybe also saving as a company, some social media stuff?
2: Yeah. Um, okay, last words. Um, as I said, go and get yourself a proper email <laughs> email provider. I guess if, if anybody listening to this just changes this or starts thinking about who can see their emails and what sort of information they have with this and access um that's scary you can reset every account if you have access to to the email address and they know about every account that you have when they have access to your email address like your email account um, because your email account sees all those sign up emails and everything maybe clean that up as well Um, social media Um, we are mostly active as a company on reddit so you can find us on reddit slash um r slash safing e o. so io um, it's um no it's r slash safing sorry it's only r slash sa- r slash safing. but on twitter we are at safing io that's that's sure. uh we sometimes post there or if you want to get monthly updates of what's happening, you can subscribe to our newsletter or our podcast, and I guess our blog has an RSS feed as well. So, that's <laughs> those are all the places where we are.
0: Great, and um, of course, all of that will be also in the description, and don't worry, you'll find it there. So. <laughs> Yeah. um, I think this is it for now, Um, unless you have more last words to say. No. (laughs) Thanks.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me. Uh, It was great. Thanks
0: for for being here. Um, I think I learned a lot about privacy and um, I really hope that our, our listeners did too and that they actually also consider changing some things. And yeah. Thanks so much again, and uh, have a great rest of the day.
1: Thank you, too. Thank you.
0: Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in, and don't forget to check out liquidary.com to get all the information about all your favorite assets. Please also check out all of our social media channels, and if you've liked this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend. Talk to you soon, and so long. Have a bullish day.